I have the privilege of introducing Pastor Kathy to you. Um, Pastor Richard and Kathy, welcome, welcome, welcome to our church. We love having you here. Um, and Kathy has preached in this pulpit before. She came about three years ago and did our women's conference and preached. We've also had Pastor Richard here a couple of times. They are very, very busy people, and so we don't ask them a lot. They're South Australians originally, so they're really good people. <laughs> so our hearts are sort of linked because of the South Australian thing, even though they've been in Sydney for, I don't know, how many years? A long time, yep. <laughs> um, and they started their church, C3 Ride, I don't 20 years ago. Oh, yes, because you had your 20th last year, didn't you? Yes. So, and that's just, uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg because um, they've planted and helped plant, um, help people lead about 120, 150, 100, 120, I'll go 150, <laughs> 200, because there's going to be more this year anyway, churches in all the stands, I can't say any of them. <laughs> But Richard travels quite a bit to do that and Kathy keeps the fort going at C3 Ride and the family going and so on too and they are legends, both of them in their own right. We love them dearly um, and Kathy just has a heart, a passion for God, passion for the Word, passion for His promises and a passion for people. So she's going to share her heart today. So um, I just want to welcome, let's welcome, it's Kathy. How exciting for us to be in the Adelaide Hills. It really would have to be God's country, would it not? Yeah. Oh my goodness, as we walked down the street, our hearts were filled. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm just going to make a confession filled with covetousness. <laughs> but we had to deal with our flesh and just put it aside. We've been called to other places, not as beautiful or serene or silent as here. So, uh, but we're very happy to be here. We've been down in the southeast, um, down in uh, Carpenter Rocks near Mount Gambier, which for Richard is his childhood dream place. Um, <clears throat> he has had many happy years down there. So Richard is a very keen fisherman. And uh, so he is a fisherman of fish and a fisherman of people. And uh, he did very well. And uh, I resisted putting his catch up on social media, but I think I'll do it a little bit later on. And uh, so we had fish every night. We saved a fortune and uh, it was great. And so then we came here. So it's, uh, we're very happy to be here. Thank you, Julie, for inviting us. Uh, we're very grateful and it's a real honour for us to be here. I have one of my sisters here. <laughs> Also from the beautiful Adelaide Hills, so it's just a real privilege to be here and uh, we're very grateful. So, uh, and I had a good, we had a bit of a little thing yesterday with some of the leaders which I really enjoyed, so it's a real privilege for me to be here. So I'm preaching today, I'll give you the topic, because you know when you go home and someone says, oh, so what did they preach on and you can't remember, I'll give it to you so that you know, so you go home and, oh. So I'm just preaching on hope 
and uh, having an active hope in God in all circumstances. Um, one of the great beautiful truths of the scriptures is that we have this confident proclamation from God that he will never leave us. And in Hebrews 13, 5 to 6, is this beautiful scripture that many of you probably know and that I really love. And the Lord says this to us. He says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So that we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And uh, this little scripture, this particular quote, is one of the most emphatic statements in the New Testament. Uh, in Greek, we'll just go to Greek for just a swift moment, uh, this actually contains two double negatives. So if we were to translate this entirely into English, it would sound like this. It would be the Lord saying to us, I will never, ever, ever leave you. So it's this emphatic, confident statement that he will never, ever leave us. Jesus used the same word in uh, John, in the Gospel of John 27 to 28. Jesus said this to his disciples and his followers. He said, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And so this word that Jesus used is actually never, ever, ever perish. So it's this confidence in this hope that we have in Jesus. We don't have to conjure up a hope in our own heart. Our hope is actually in him. Our faith is in God and in his word. Our faith is in Jesus and in his promises. And this is our sure hope. This is our great truth that he will never, ever, ever leave us. He will never, ever, ever forsake us. No matter what our circumstances, no matter how difficult, he will never, ever, ever leave us. And this is our great faith, our great trust in him, and it's where we have our great security. And uh, sometimes uh, we can forget this. Sometimes our circumstances can sort of, sort of obscure the great hope that is within us. And uh, a little while ago I was reminded of this. I, was, uh, I had to go to the shops and I didn't want to find a car park at the big shopping centre. So I went just to our little local street of shops because I can always get a car park there. And uh, so I went to the little shops and... I was walking along the footpath past the shops and I looked down. I was getting something out of my handbag. And then when I looked up, something really terrible had happened because one of my eyes was very bright and one of them was very clouded. And as I was walking along past the shops, I just went... I, I thought, what is happening to me? My eye, this eye was so clouded and so dark. And I started thinking, what, something serious has happened to me. And I saw people that I knew walking along past me and I was too absorbed in my dilemma to stop to have a conversation. And so I just, as I saw people that I knew, I would just kind of smile and keep walking. My head was totally filled. What has happened to me? Something terrible has happened. I don't know what's happening. And then I saw another person that I knew and they walked towards me and I just kind of smiled oh, and kept walking totally filled with this trauma. And then I put my hand to my head in fear and I felt that I had my sunglasses on and I took it off and one of the lenses had fallen out. <laughs> And then I went from fear about my future to, oh, how many people 
people saw me with one lens in thought I looked like a pirate. I'm thinking, oh, how many people knew me and they didn't say anything. And so I went from one thing and I would say this, that sometimes our vision is obscured by faulty sunglasses. Sometimes our hope is obscured by one lens. And sometimes our thinking is obscured by faulty thinking. Our hope can be obscured. We need eyes to see. We need ears to hear the things of God. It's one of the great essentials of the kingdom of God when we walk with Jesus that we consistently replenish our hope. We need it to be consistently replenished with every circumstance because our hope is in Jesus. We have an active faith and an active hope and this needs to be replenished in our heart. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the great famous scripture that we know, says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. You see how crucial hope is to our faith. Hope in the scriptures is not wishful thinking. Hope actually has a foundation that is secure. So our hope is in Jesus and in him. But it needs this consistent replenishing in our heart. We have this faith and hope. You see, for us, we don't believe in what we see we believe in the unseen realm. We're a different kind of people. We see in this unseen realm of our invisible and wonderful and loving and mighty God. So we see. Another thing that our, our hope is, the scriptures tell us, us that our hope is an anchor. In Hebrews 6, 19, it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So in the scriptures, of course, our soul is our personality and who we are. It's our character. We're made up of three separate things. There's our spirit. When we believe in Jesus, our spirit comes alive to God instantly and lives forever. Our soul is who we are. Oh, how wonderful this is. And the Holy Spirit transforms this over time, which is called sanctification. So who you were in 2018 and 2019, you'll be someone different in 2020 because of the work of the Holy Spirit and the replenishing. But our soul is a little bit unstable. And I think that the reason the scriptures talk about hope being an anchor is because an anchor secures a boat in a very unstable situation, which is the water. We were down, when we were down in Carpenter Rocks, I was watching the boats in the little bay. And the wind, down there, the wind is extraordinary. <laughs> and it's cold. And um, and I was watching the wind and the waves buffet these little boats in the bay, but they were secure because they had an anchor. But what was above the anchor was very unstable. That's a little bit like us, that our circumstances are unstable, our emotions are unstable, but our stability comes from our anchor, which is embedded in the rock, which is Jesus. This is why it says that our hope is an anchor. And so for some of us, of course, we have this fear about our hope. When we hear that our faith is the substance of things hoped for, we go, oh, and then when we read the scripture where it says, you know, to please God, we have to have faith. And we go, oh, because we feel a little bit inadequate. Uh, we feel, how would I possibly replenish my hope? What work do I have to do to do it? I actually have extremely good news for you right now. 
And the extremely good news for you is this, that it's the Lord who replenishes your hope. In Romans 15, 13 is a scripture you need to put on your fridge, actually. Put it on your fridge. It says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this hope, this replenishing of hope comes from God. He is the God of hope. And it comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. He pours this into our heart. God pours hope into our heart when we receive it from him. The God of hope means that this is the God who inspires hope and imparts hope to every one of us. He will impart his hope into our hearts when we call on him. We can confidently look to him for the working out of our problems, actually. So many of us have many problems most of the time, but we can look to him for the working out of our problems. Our hope is the forward-looking aspect of faith. So we look forward in hope. It's absolutely essential that as believers in Jesus, we consistently replenish our hope in him. So our hope is to be active and not static. We all know that beautiful scripture about those who wait upon the Lord uh, in Isaiah 40. It says, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The word wait is also hope. It means an active hope. So it's not a static waiting, but it's an active hope. We have an active hope in him. And then when we do this, the Lord will, we will mount on wings like eagles. We will run and not grow weary because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we, what do we need to do for this active hope? I just wrote down a few things that I think is helpful for us in this active hope. One is that we need to remember. We need to remember the greatness of God, particularly when our circumstances around us uh, bring us into a place of despair, when our circumstances around us cause grief in our heart. We need to remember that nothing is impossible for God. A few years ago, um, I... Um, the Lord spoke to me, I went in to have my prayer time and the Lord spoke to me and off I went with my prayer time. I need this, I need that, I want this, I want that, la la la. And uh, the Lord interrupted me and he said to me, you enter my presence with a complaint. And uh, I was very shocked that the Lord would say that. It was, And then I started thinking about my personal prayer life, my personal devotion to him and I thought, actually, God's right. And this brought about the first great, greatest seismic shift in my prayer life that I've ever had. And I thought, okay. And I thought about it and I thought, if I go out for coffee with someone and they sit down straight away and start whinging and complaining, I don't want to go back. And, uh, and then I thought, I don't want the Lord to do that. I want him to come back. So I thought, I'm just going to change the way I start my prayer time. I'm going to come with thanksgiving. I'm going to come with joy in my heart. And then I realised that we get a little bit confused sometimes and think that our prayer is something that we have to do. Our prayer is something that we need to do, obviously, but we do the work of prayer, not realising that prayer is actually, above all else, is actually a relationship. Above everything else, it's a relationship with God. So I thought, okay, in my relationships, my earthly relationships... I always say hello. So I had this, I started this little trick where I would start my prayer time and I would always come in to my prayer time and I'd always say, hello, Lord, just like I would to a friend. 
because the Lord says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friend. And so I'd say, hello, Lord. Like this morning I said, hello, Lord, I'm in Harndorf today, which he already knows, but, you know, I just wanted to clarify that. And, uh, and uh, so I'd say, hello, Lord, and then I'd have a little joke. And I'd say, how are you today? And then I'd say, oh, that's right. You're the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, I would do the same joke every day. And every day I'd... <laughs> and then off I'd go with my prayer time. Well, I just want to explain to you that I actually had this same joke with the Lord for many years. I'd do it exactly the same way. I appreciated my joke. And um, I'd do it the same way. And then in November of 1918... The Lord replied, keeping in mind, I had, I had never, what did I say? 1918. Oh, did I? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm looking good. That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> anyway, two years ago, um, <laughs> in November... And uh, the Lord replied, I said, hello, Lord, how are you today? And before I could do my joke, he replied. And he said, he said, I am well. And I, oh, it mucked up my joke. <laughs> I didn't know what to do next. And um, he said to me, I am well. And then he said, oh, he said, I am seated at the right hand of the father and I I collapsed because oh okay just a minute for those of you who don't know me I'm very famous for this I'm not famous for many things but I am famous for crying so um just talk amongst yourselves until I'm done um but anyway and I just he said I am well and I am seated at the right hand of the father and now I knew this Logically, I knew this technically. I knew this from my observation of the scriptures. But that was the first time it really went into my spirit that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus has defeated sin. Jesus has defeated death. Jesus has defeated all of our problems, actually. Jesus reigns and rules in victory. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He doesn't sit in heaven and think, oh dear, what am I going to do now? Nothing takes him by surprise. And so I came to this place of knowing that nothing is too hard for God. The angel said to Mary, nothing is impossible with God and nothing is. I think the first thing we need to remember when reviving our hope is remembering that God is all-powerful. He is almighty. He has already done so much for us that we have been given the gift of eternal life where there will be no more tears, no more crying, we'll be healed, we'll be set free. He's already done enough. I think we need to come to the place to remember that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And then he said, he leant forward and he said, ask me anything in my name and I will give it to you. We can ask Jesus for anything in his name. He doesn't always reply or respond exactly how we would think or want, but he does respond. Jesus never forgets us. He always sees us. The scriptures say that the Lord Jesus intercedes for us every day, that our faith would not fail us, that we are restored. In Hebrews 1.3 in the New Living Translation, 
It says this, The sun, meaning Jesus, reflects God's own glory and everything about him reflects God exactly. He sustains the universe by the mighty power of his command. After he died to cleanse us from the stain of sin, he sat down in the place of honour at the right hand of the majestic God of heaven. This is how mighty Jesus is. This is how powerful he is. There is no problem that we have that the Lord doesn't have a solution for us. It's not too hard for him. And the ultimate joy is that Jesus can bring treasure from your trouble. This is one of the great hidden mysteries of the scripture is that Jesus can bring treasures from your trouble. It says that we can learn and know and see. We can have a pearl of great price from him. Second thing I think we need to know to revive our hope is never miss an opportunity to worship. No matter what our circumstances are, never miss an opportunity. Uh, one day I walked into our church and I had many things, uh, really, I felt quite overcome by everything. And the Lord said to me, don't let your arms hang down. He said, worship me. Worship does something in our spirit when we yield to him. Worship is actually about yielding. We're yielding ourselves to him. Uh, when we don't resist the journey, when we bow down in worship to him, the Lord will do mighty things in our heart. And one of the great ways to worship Jesus, even in a difficult journey, is with thanksgiving. One of the great keys to the kingdom of God is that it brings a supernatural shift in our spirit when we come in thanksgiving and in worship. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will give you rest for your soul. So we have this opportunity to worship and to learn from him. Isaiah 55 at verse 8, the Lord says, For my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When we yield to him, when we don't resist the journey, the Lord does a mighty thing in our spirit. I think we can also decide to do the journey well. We can decide to travel well. We can decide to learn from him. So when we come to difficulties, our question, we need to sometimes refrain from the question of why. Why is this happening to me, Lord? Rather than why, we can ask what. What is it, Lord, that I can do in this season of my life to obtain the pearl of great price, to learn more about you? Because sometimes there's no answer to the why. Sometimes we may never know the why, but we can ask what. What should I do, Jesus? What can I do? When we choose not to be offended by God, um, when he doesn't answer quickly enough or doesn't answer in the way that we had wanted, but that we yield to him and not be offended. We need to remember that we have a living hope. It's not a static hope, but a living hope. And our living hope has a name, and our living hope is Jesus. He is alive. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He loves you deeply. He knows everything about you from the beginning to the end and back the other way. He loves you deeply. He has called you and set you apart. He has great plans for you, and so we move into this place of hope we can also learn to listen well we can listen well to the Holy Spirit on our journey I think that the Holy Spirit is like a coach and you know sometimes you see um, people running along the coach running along the side for the team as they're playing and he's running along the side and telling the team what to do or sending his runner out to tell them what to do well, the Holy Spirit's a little bit like that but sometimes we cannot pick up the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's, he's there. We're not alone. We're not doing this on our own. It's not that we, we can have wisdom from the throne of God. And sometimes you'll know when you're on a journey, and uh, you're on a, there's two kinds of journeys actually. There's the journey that you want to do, which is all happy schmappy, 
and the journey that you don't want to do, which is most of the time. And, uh, but I just find that the Holy Spirit, any journey that we're on, he gives us incremental pieces of joy. You know, you, when you wait, open up your daily devotional and it's got the exact scripture that you need. Well, that's the Holy Spirit and he's cheering you on. And so we need to take notice of the incremental things that the Holy Spirit does. We need to listen to Jesus' voice. Jesus said, you will know my voice. My sheep know me and I know them. And so we need to listen to the voice of Jesus um, because hope actually has a sound. Hope has a sound in your heart. Hope has a sound in your mind. It has words of hope. It has thoughts of hope. So you need to learn to listen because hopelessness equally has a sound. Hopelessness has words Hopelessness has emotions that go with it. And so if we ask the Holy Spirit to make us alert to what we're listening to. So when we hear the words of hopelessness, when we're alert and we ask the Holy Spirit to keep us on track, you can transform those words into the words of hope. So you need to be very mindful of what you're listening to. You see, most times the voice of Jesus, your good shepherd, who loves you deeply, he's very kind he doesn't bully you. He doesn't do things. He's kind. He's loving and he's gentle. But most of us listen to the other voice, which is the voice of the enemy, which says the exact opposite. Oh, you're worthless. Oh, who do you think you are? We spend more time listening to that voice than to this one. So you need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You need to listen to the voice of Jesus and to really push back against that voice of the enemy. We need to listen well. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. So sometimes you need to hear from your own lips the word of God. You need to hear the scriptures. You need to speak them out and make a proclamation. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me within. This is what you need to hear. Uh, you need to hear the voice of God. You need to hear the scriptures from your own lips. Um, when I went to Bible college, they, every term, they used to give you this big long list of scriptures that we had to learn off by heart and I found it really hard because they weren't the ones that I'd chosen and uh, so then I thought, I'm just going to pick the ones I like and uh, so pick the ones you like, pick the ones you like and have those scriptures and then it'll really do something in your spirit. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. Um, and know that God is working for your good. There's a bigger picture. No matter what your circumstances, remember you only see a certain part of it. There's a bigger picture from God. Uh, and uh, a little while ago we had a speaker in our church called Gary Raymond. And he's a policeman, or he was a policeman. And he's a Christian and he has these most amazing stories of all these things that God did while he was serving as a policeman. It's just fascinating. Our youth loved it because he talks about, you know, he had to draw the gun and our youth were, yeah. And um, anyway, he's been to our church a couple of times and he's a mighty evangelist. Anyway, last time he was at our church, um, I was walking along with him when the service was over. And uh, we were talking about his books. So he's written three books and um, his books went like that, like just everybody bought them. And he said to me, you uh, really need to buy book three. And I said, oh, do I? He said, yes. He said, because the last chapter tells you what to do in case you're taken hostage. So one of his roles used to be that he was a hostage negotiator and he said, I think that everybody should know what to do just in case they're taken hostage. 
So I said, okay. So I bought book three and I read the last chapter. It was very informative. I know lots of things now about what to do. It's great. So if ever the occasion arises, I'm prepared. And uh, anyway, so one day I was quite feeling quite overwhelmed uh, by my circumstances and I was hanging up my washing on my clothesline and I was feeling very downcast. And the Lord suddenly reminded me of Gary Raymond because Gary Raymond said that the biggest problem when someone's taken hostage is that there's a lot of time elapses and the actual hostages think that nothing is happening. So he said they believe that there is nothing happening on the outside. He said, but when you're a hostage, just in case, he said, you need to always remember that there is a lot happening on the outside that you don't know about. And when I thought this, the Lord said that to me. He said, Kathy, I am very active. He said, there's a lot happening on the outside that you don't know about. And I was, oh, I thought, this is great. I hung up the clothes a bit quicker. And, um, and I thought, oh, this is fantastic. And the Lord reminded me of uh, Daniel in the book of the prophet Daniel, a book that I love. And uh, in Daniel in chapter 10, the angel appears to Daniel and he says to him, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, you who are deeply loved. And Daniel went on a 21-day fast. His nation was in real trouble uh, and he went on a 21-day fast in order to really hear from God and to know what to do. And the angel appeared to him and he explained to Daniel, he said, from the moment you humbled yourself before me in order to gain wisdom and understanding, he said, your words were heard and he said I have come in response to your words and then he went on to explain that he was delayed for the 21 days because of this situation that was happening in the heavenlies and the angel was delayed and but he said your words were heard it's the same for you when you cry out to God your words are heard he hears, Psalm 116, verse 1. The Lord, we say, I love the Lord because he hears my voice. He hears my cry for mercy. The Lord always hears your words. The Lord is always active in your life. We may not be aware. We may not know what's happening, but he is always active in your life. He is always doing mighty things. In Romans 8:28, the famous one that we know, the scripture says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so you can confidently say that I am one of those who loves him and I have been called according to his purposes. Therefore, God works for my good. We can remember these things. I would really like to uh, give you an opportunity. I might get the musos back. Um, just to pray for you, if you are really want to have an active hope, remembering that this active hope comes from the Lord, the God of hope pours his hope into our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I would like to give you an opportunity that I would quickly lay hands on you and pray for this active hope if that's what you desire, if you really desire to have your heart filled with this hope. Uh, but I would also, just before I do that, I would, so I'd really like to give two opportunities, which I'll do in a moment, one I will ask you in a moment to place your hand in the air if you want that active hope. Or two, if you've come here today or perhaps you've been coming for quite some time uh, and you would love the hope of Jesus in your heart. You've heard about Jesus. You see people loving Jesus. And in your heart, you think that is what I would like as well. I have equally good news for you. It's not complicated to know Jesus. It's actually very simple. <clears throat> 
the scriptures say that all we have to do is call on him. We call on the name. In the Bible it says anyone, anyone and everyone, not the famous people, not the good people, the everyone, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And do you know what that means? It means to know him. It means the promise of heaven. It means the forgiveness of your sin. It means that you would know this good shepherd. It means that your heart would be filled with hope. And the God that you have longed to be close to, He says, you call on me and you will be saved. It's the promise of Jesus. It's the hope of Jesus. He loves every person in this room deeply. He has a plan for every person in this room a plan and a purpose and He has more for you. If you've never had the opportunity to call on Jesus, I'd love to give you the chance. I'd love you to place your hand in the air when I ask you so that you can call on Jesus and that you would know Him. You would know the beautiful shepherd. I would love to give you that opportunity of this wonderful news for you. It's not complicated. The Bible's not complicated. The Kingdom of God is not complicated. It's very simple. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, you're the everyone. When you call on Jesus, He forgives us completely of our sins. He washes us clean. He makes us new. He gives us the promise of eternity. I'm going to ask every person in the room to bow their head and close their eyes. We're going to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. Today is the day of salvation. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, King of Kings. Come, Lord of Lords. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Prince of Peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Good Shepherd. I'm just going to ask anybody in this room who wants their heart filled with a, a replenishing, a living hope, you want more of that hope, if you can place your hand in the air where I can see it so that I can pray with you. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. I can see your hands. Is there anybody else? Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Now I'm going to ask if there's anybody in this room, if you're the everyone, if you're the anyone, if you would like to know Jesus, if you want to call on His name, just the very first little thing you need to do is place your hand in the air where I can see it so that I can pray with you. Come Holy Spirit. If you want to know Jesus, if you want to know Him, you can place your hand in the air where I can see it. Thank you, Jesus. You may want to return to Jesus. You may have been disconnected from Him. The Lord Jesus is the Lord of the great return. His arms are open wide for you. If you want to return to Him, if you've felt that you've been separated from Him, if you can place your hand in the air, nobody's watching. So I'll be the only one that will see it. If you want to return to Him, if you can place your hand in the air, come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the great hope that you give to us. 
We thank You for the hope and the promise of Jesus. Lord, I just ask that You would pour out Your hope in every person in this room. Lord, that there would be a replenishing and that there would be more. Jesus, that we would hear You with ears that hear. Lord, that we would listen well. Lord, that there would be a joy and our peace in our heart that goes beyond our circumstances. Father, we ask for Your supernatural hope, Your supernatural peace, Your supernatural joy. Lord, ask for Your Holy Spirit to come. Heal our bakush. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We bless you, Jesus. Uh, we can stand as we sing. And uh, if you would like me to pray for you, I just ask you to come to the front and I'll quickly lay hands on you for this supernatural hope. <laughs>